Welcome to First Baptist Belton. By God's grace, we aim to be a gospel-centered people who know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the following message. All right, well, good morning. How are we? Good, everybody doing all right? Yeah, we had a little bit of rain this week. There's only eight of you excited about the fact that we had rain. We need a lot of rain. We need more of it, yeah. Absolutely, I was sitting there thinking, move the unmovable, break the unbreakable, Lord, we need more rain. We need more rain, we do. Well, guys, it's good to see y'all. I hope you're doing well. I hope you've had a, a good weekend. I hope your weekend of football was a little bit better than mine. The Red Raiders, I had a lot of hope. There's always next week. There's always next week, so we're looking forward to that. Well, guys, this is a good weekend to be here. For those of you worshiping online, thank you for tuning in with us. Uh, so, so this week, I, I stumbled upon a, a unique article. You're not going to believe the title of the article. Get this. New York Times, headlines, billionaire gives away billion-dollar business. Who does that? Who gives away a billion dollar business for free? You're interested now, aren't you? I was interested. So I started reading the article, a hook, line, and sinker. So I'm reading this New York Times article, and, and I learned who gave away a billion dollar business. His name is Yvon Schwinnard. Yvonne Schwinnard, he is the owner of the company that many of you might know as Patagonia. Yes, Patagonia. So I start reading this and I'm thinking, okay, why in the world would he give away a billion dollar business? And here's what I learned. The reason why he gives away a billion dollar business is because he's not so much concerned with the cool brand, and Patagonia is a cool brand, with the great product that Patagonia produces, but rather he is far more concerned with the mission of Patagonia. And so he gives away his billion dollar business all for the sake of his mission. Now, the mission of Patagonia, this is really interesting. The mission of their company is to build products that preserve the environment. So everything that you buy at Patagonia, whether that's a really neat uh, jacket whether that's a hat, a t-shirt, or whatever it is, a portion of what your money goes to is to preserve the environment. So what you find is that Patagonia is not just in the brand industry, but they're also, maybe even far more, in the preservation industry. They're in the preservation industry. Now, you may be wondering, okay, Logan, what in the world does Patagonia and a billion-dollar business and all of that have to do with what we're talking about this morning? Well, in the same way, just like Patagonia is in the preservation business, the church, meaning those who have placed their faith and their trust in Jesus, are also in the preservation industry. In fact, we as the church, First Baptist Belton, have a very similar mission, purpose. We are put in this city in this county, in this state, for the purpose of preserving a people for God. In fact, I would argue that it is our role as Christians to inhabit a place, and by doing so, 
We are to leave it better than the way that we found it. We're to make it better, you and me, because of the nature of being in a particular place as we invest our lives in this place, we ought to leave it better than the way that we found it. We ought to influence it. We ought to make an impact and preserve life on this earth in our community for the glory of God. Now, you may remember in our Sermon on the Mount series just a a few weeks ago, I talked a little bit about this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Jesus is speaking to his followers, and he he says that you are the salt of the earth. Y'all remember that? What we talked about there is it's not Jesus saying, hey, go be the salt of the earth. He says, who you are as my follower is the salt of the earth. He would go on in verse 14 to say that you are the light of the world. And if you were to keep reading in verse 16, he gives us the aim, the goal of being salt and light. And he says this. He says, so let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So the point here is that we are to live who we are, where we are, for the glory of God, for his kingdom reign. We're to live who we are, where we are, so that all may come to know and to follow Jesus. Therefore, as we go about living our lives at home, at work, in our neighborhoods, in our families, at community events, extracurricular activities, on the ball field, we are to live in such a way that we are an access point from God to our community. We are to live in such a way that we are an access point from God to our community. Another way to look at that would be we are the on-ramp from God to our community. That's what it means to be an ambassador, to be a representative. We represent God's kingdom on this earth, not them out there, right? That's us in here. You and I, if you have placed your faith and your trust in Jesus, you are a representative of the kingdom of God, for better or worse. So therefore, everywhere we go, we live with the responsibility that God has called us to be ministers of reconciliation. Not just the professionals, but all believers. We're ambassadors for the kingdom of heaven. Now, you may, be, you may recall we're in our discipleship pathway. Uh, we've been talking about the four steps of what we believed of, of following Jesus. And each week, we've broken these down into two different aspects. So we have connect, grow, serve, and multiply. And we've talked about this, this idea that if, if you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus, you have chosen to follow him with your life, that he brings about great purpose, meaning, and value from just ordinary life stuff. Right, so at work, he brings about great purpose. At home, he brings about great purpose. On the ball field, all those things. And so we've said that you must connect with God through a relationship with Jesus. That's your first step. All this other stuff doesn't really matter if you don't get that one first. So we gotta connect with Jesus through beginning a relationship with him. From there, we want to connect with his people. It's important that you commit your life 
to his people, to a common folks who have a common mission and a vision uh, for God's work on this earth. And we talked about the importance of, of joining our church or joining a church, right? We've talked about the importance, what, you know, in Matthew 22, where Jesus says the greatest commandment is that you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind and strength, right? And we talked about the importance of that. And then from that, that we ought to be a people who love others as ourselves, we need to put ourselves in places where we can love other people as ourselves. And then last week, we talked about the, the step of serving. We talked about the importance of, of serving the local body, that God has actually given you a gift, crazy enough. You know, he's given you a gift or maybe a set of gifts and, and a way to serve the church. So not only has he called you to serve, but he's also gift you, gifted you to do it as well. That's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you knew this or not, but last week we sent out a, a link to your phone that gave you the option. You could click the link and it would take you to a webpage and you could see all the different ways that you could serve at First Baptist Belton. And we challenged you to check one of those and that we were gonna compile a list and we would be reaching out to you. We had over 120 people do that last week. It's pretty incredible. So 120 people have said, hey, I believe that God's called me, I believe that God's gifted me, and I want to serve this church. That's an incredible gift to us, and that's an incredible gift to you. We'll be blessed. Now, this week, here's the step we're going to talk about. We're talking about the second step of serve, which is serving our community. And so here's what I want you to see this morning. I want you to see that our purpose is preserved as we take ownership and responsibility for making our community a better place. I'm gonna say it again, because I wanna make it really clear. I want everybody with me. Our purpose is preserved as we take ownership for our community seeking to make it a better place. Now I'm gonna say this, and I want you to hear it. If we don't, who else will? If the people in this room, and you heard them talk a testimony of, of the power of this church in our community, if we don't, who else will? Are we really gonna leave that up to politicians? Are we really gonna leave that up to other people? Folks who don't love Jesus, are we really going to leave that up to them, or are we going to take ownership and responsibility for this community? I believe that that's God's calling for our church. I believe that's God's calling for his people. And I believe that purpose is preserved as we take ownership for our community. Now, last week we touched on Mark 10. In Mark 10, Jesus gives us a vision for this. So in Mark 10, Jesus says, as you follow him, you become like him. And to become like him, as he says far better than I do, it's to become a servant of God, right? Of one another, and then of our community. To become like him is to become a servant. And we do that best when we take our next step to take ownership and responsibility for this community. So all that being said, here's what I wanna do this morning. I wanna talk about how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we take ownership of this community? Well, if you have a Bible, I hope you do. Go ahead and turn with me to Jeremiah 29. 
Jeremiah 29, we're going to be in verses 4 through 7 this morning as we talk about how do we take ownership for our community? How do we make our community a better place? Okay, read along with me here. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. He says, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you too will also find your welfare. Now it's important to know where Israel finds herself this morning. Israel is living in some of the most difficult political times that they've ever experienced in their history. Maybe recall from this 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 part of their history, um, the, the Babylonians have come in and they've swept the Assyrians. The great Assyrian empire has been completely swept by the Babylonians. And then because of their disobedience, God has allowed the Babylonians to, to uh, come in, in and, and take the folks from Jerusalem, the Israelites, and has brought them into exile. And so now the people of God are living in a strange land, this land that's not their home, serving underneath a people that is not their people, and they are surrounded by foreign folks. This is where they find themselves this morning. Now, in many ways, we find ourselves in a very similar era. Remember from our Sermon on the Mount series, Christ has come to this earth. He's ushered in his kingdom reign. He has redeemed his people, and he is redeeming his people. He's at work redeeming his people. He has saved us. He has brought us from darkness into light. Ephesians reminds us that we were once a citizen of the world in the kingdom of the world. Now we are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And so we have gone from citizen of this world to citizen of, citizens of the kingdom. And so too, we find ourselves in a place where we await our eternal kingdom. We're looking for the redemption that has been promised to us. And so like Israel, we're living in a place that is not our home, surrounded by a people waiting for the day that Jesus arrives to take us to our eternal home with him. And so until that day, waiting on Jesus' arrival, how are we to live and make this community better? Well, the first way is that we need to lay down some roots. So number one, if you're taking notes, the first point that I want you to see that this morning is that we've got to be a people who lay down roots where we are, where God has us. We're going to lay down roots. God tells Israel that while they're in exile, to build homes and to live in them, to plant gardens and eat their produce. In other words, what God is telling them is that they're to build homes and to live life as though they're at home. But there's an exception you keep reading in verse 10, you'll see that God has allotted a 70-year period of time 
that they will sit in exile for 70 years. And so he's saying, hey, listen, I want you to build houses, plant vineyards, eat the produce for the next 70 years. But he's also saying, hey, but don't get too comfortable because redemption is coming. Redemption is coming. They're to lay down roots. They're to go to work, start families, build houses, go to school, fulfill the responsibilities, but don't get too comfortable because redemption is coming. Now, I appreciate John Calvin. He, in his commentary on Jeremiah, here's what he says. He says that God's purpose is not that they should set their hearts on Chaldea, but on the contrary, they were to think of their return to their true home. But until the end of the 70 years, it was God's will that they should continue quiet, not attempt this or that, but to carry on the business of life as though they were in their own country. And listen to this, this is helpful. As to their hope then, it was God's will that their minds should be in a state of suspense until the time of deliverance. I love the picture of that, right? We're kind of in the Halloween season, right? And, and if you're like me as a kid, I enjoyed going to a good haunted house. And as I would walk through these dark hallways and I would hear all these creepy noises and all that kind of stuff, I lived with a sense of ex- suspense because I just know that somebody's on the other side of that corner that's about to jump out at me and get me. And even though I know that they can't put their hands on me, it still scares me to death. And so I'm literally walking through these hallways with a sense of suspense In the same way, I think what God's giving us a vision for is that we're to lay down roots, that we're to build homes, we're to start families, we're to go to work, we're to go to school, we're to do all those things, but we do them with a sense of suspense, knowing that on just the other side of the corner, just around the corner, that redemption is coming, that there is truly a day where Jesus is going to come to this earth, and he is going to take us home, and he's going to bring renewal, and he's going to make all things new. And so we don't live sitting on our hands, but rather we live with a sense of expectation, a sense of anticipation and suspense, waiting for the arrival of our king. So we lay down roots. But then number two, number two, we multiply our influence. We multiply our influence. God tells Israel, he says, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. And notice this, he commands them. He says, multiply there and do not decrease. Listen, this is God's divine command that his people should have more babies. You didn't know you were coming to church to be challenged with the command of having more babies. But here, that's, that's what God's saying. He's saying, hey, we're gonna multiply our influence And the best way that we do that, you didn't even know this, but the best church growth strategy is that our church has more babies, right? He says, hey, listen, multiply your influence. You know, when I was in seminary, it's kind of funny. Uh, One of my professors, he's he's a pretty funny guy, but he was referencing Psalm 127.4, and David, he's, he's writing this. He says, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's home. He says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Just so you know, a quiver is five arrows. I know. So he would say, hey, if y'all really want the blessing of the Lord, then you need to have five kids. I remember thinking, this guy's crazy. This guy's crazy. Yet nevertheless, 
we have a bit of a population crisis on our hands. Did you know that? We do. We, we have a little bit of a population crisis. In fact, according to uh, modern research in 2021, the U.S. reached an all-time low in prop- population growth. It's kind of interesting. Ultimately, what's happening is that we have far too many people dying and not enough babies being born to supplement that which we have passing away. The problem for us is, there's a lot of problems, but one of the main problems is that eventually we will not have enough people to occupy jobs to allow the country to maintain its current economy in the future. Not only that, but our world becomes secular and secular day by day. It's growing more and more secular every day. And so what this has to do with multiplying our influence is comes from the reminder that we get in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. It reminds us that children are image bearers. And by the nature of them being image bearers, the more babies that we have, the work that we do to raise them in a godly home, and then we send them out equipped and trained in the faith, and we send them out into the world to be the image bearers that they are for the kingdom of God. So what God is saying is that we multiply our influence as we have more children, we raise them in godly homes, and then we send them out into the world to be multipliers, right, for the sake of the kingdom of God. Now, I think in many ways, while, while it is true that the more babies we have, the more image bearers that we have, the more kingdom influence that we have, I think it also puts a great weight on our, on our shoulders to make sure that we're raising these kids in godly homes, And I would make the argument that the reason why the church is where it is, why we've seen decline in the church, has a lot to do with this, that we have punted our responsibility to raise children in godly homes. We have expected the church to do that. And so we'll raise them up, we send them to the church, and the professionals do their job, and we can check the box. Listen, understand that that was never God's vision for raising kids. That is your primary responsibility. Moms, dads, listen to me. Your primary responsibility this morning is to raise your children in a godly home. You are the primary faith trainers in your home. Grandparents, you are the primary faith trainers of your grandchildren. Listen, if you're waiting for the church to do that, meaning the professionals to do that, we are punting our responsibility the world has them for far, many, far more hours than we have them. That means that we might get them for two hours on a Sunday morning and two hours on a Sunday afternoon, and if statistics are right, you're only here 50% of the time anyway. So listen, we cannot punt our responsibility to raise our children in a godly home, train them up in the way they should go so that we can send them out to be men and women of God in their homes, in their workplaces, in their communities, That's on us. That is one way we can take ownership and responsibility of our calling as God's people to raise up our children and send them into the world to make much of the name of Jesus. It's the whole point of the discipleship pathway. If you want to know where to start, here's a great place to start with your kids. Help them get connected with Jesus, to begin a relationship with Jesus. Help them become a faithful member of a church and what all that entails, right? Help them to grow in their knowledge and their love for God. Get them a Bible. Walk through the Bible with them. 
Help them grow in their knowledge and love for God. Right? Help them to grow in their love for people. Hey, listen, when you're on the ball field, I'm all about winning. But if, if your kid can't love people while he wins, we failed. Right? Help them love people. Help them to serve their body. Just so you know, remember, it doesn't, age is an important thing, but understand that when they place their faith and trust in Jesus, they too have the Holy Spirit. They too are given a gift. Help see that gift. Call that gift out. Help train that gift and encourage them in their gift. Right? Help them to serve their community. You can do that. Put them in places where they learn to watch you as you serve your community. How are they going to learn if they don't learn from you? Help them to share their faith with their friends at school. Man, what a powerful witness it is when kiddos take their faith seriously and they go into their classrooms and they say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Lives are transformed by kids telling kids about Jesus. Train them in how to do that. Train them up. Send them out. We multiply our influence. But then number three, number three, we seek the welfare of our community. We need to be a people who are seeking the welfare of our community. In verse seven, God tells Israel, he says, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you too will find your welfare as well. In other words, what God's telling Israel that, hey, while you're in exile, if you seek the good and you seek the well-being of the people who are surrounding you, ultimately it's going to work out well for you as well. Seek the welfare of the community in which I have placed you. Now, there's a couple of things that I want you to see, two in particular. The first one is I want you to see who sent them into exile because I think it's important. God says this, seek the welfare of the city where I, where I have sent you. And so, yes, they were disobedient to God. Yes, they were filled with idols and all of those things, and, and, and there are consequences for our actions. But understand here that it is God who has sent them into exile but he has not just sent them into exile empty-handed, but he has given them a purpose in exile. Notice what it is. He didn't send them there to feel sorry for themselves. He didn't send them there to grumble and complain and think back on, wow, man, this is just not like the good old days. He sent them there to make a difference, to make an impact and I might even add an eternal impact. Church, we have been placed in Belton, Texas for a divine purpose. We've been placed in Bell County for a divine purpose. We have been placed in the heart of Texas, literally, on the 35 corridor for a purpose and that purpose is to make a difference we cannot we cannot sit back and wait for somebody else to do it we can't 
We cannot sit and grumble and complain and go, the world's just not the way that we think it should be. Of course it's not. If it was, then why would Jesus have to come and die in the first place? And why in the world would he come and return and make all things new? Please don't live your life thinking that it's going to get better until he comes. It's only going to get worse. And so why do we spend so much time going, well, if it was just, man, if we could just go back 100 years, if we just go back 50 years. Well, we can't. And so let's make a difference now. Right? Like, like it, I think it's, it's time for you and for me to, to, to no longer allow the anxiety and the fear of all that's happening out there, which means we're going to have to put down our remotes, walk away from the, from the TV, from the news, and from the stuff that you see online and say, you know what? It is what it is. But I'm tired of saying it is what it is. I don't know about you, but I, I, I kind of get to a point where I'm like, what does that even mean? Well, if God has placed us here with the resources and the people and the hearts and the minds and the gifting to make a difference, why are we not making a difference? Again, if, if we don't, who else will? I can tell you, nobody. If we don't, who else will? Else will. All right, here we go. Second, he tells us to seek their welfare. Seek their welfare. To seek their welfare means, er, the word for welfare means shalom. It's where we get the idea of peace from the Hebrew language. We're to seek their peace, but it goes far, more, far, far deeper than that, far greater than that. As a matter of fact, to seek someone's welfare is to seek their best. So to seek the community's welfare is to seek the community's security, prosperity, and general well-being. Do you know the Oxford Dictionary agrees with this definition? As a matter of fact, the Oxford Dictionary would say is to seek the happiness and the fortunes of a person or group. And so as we seek the welfare of the community, here's what we're doing. We're seeking the community's security, prosperity and well-being of all who live in our community. So that means that all the folks who live in our community, we are responsible for them. And so it's our job to take ownership of those who serve our community. So our police department, that's our job. Let's love them. Police department, let's love them. Teachers, let's love them. All of those in the community, let's be the church who loves these people for eternal impact. Now, here's how we're going to help you do that. So I've been thinking about, okay, well, all right, Lord, well, if this is the calling that you have on us, well, then how in the world can we do that? What does it look like for First Baptist Belton to do that, okay? So here's what we're going to do. We've got large-scale and small-scale, okay? So large-scale items, I want you to write these down. If you're taking notes, write them down. Large-scale items. Here's what we're going to do. Tonight, from 4 to 6 p.m., I want everybody there. Here's the reason. Number one, it's a great fellowship time. 
Time to be together, time to celebrate together. It's a lot of fun, I can promise you. If you want hope for the future, come and see all of the kids who are running all over the Hilltop property having a blast. It'll give you great hope for the future that that God's not done. That's number one. But number two, while we have this fellowship event, all of our local partners are gonna be there. Well, not all of them, but a lot of them. A lot of our local partners are gonna be there on the hilltop with us today. And so here's the cool thing. What you're gonna see is you're gonna see where all of our funds go. You're gonna see the impact that we're already making, which by the way, is a huge impact through our giving. So every time, like Patagonia, every time you give a dollar to First Baptist Belton, a portion of that money goes to the community. We fund the community. We fund these efforts, these eternal impact community efforts. It's incredible. So you're gonna get to see all of those, but also you're gonna have an opportunity to prayerfully consider, is this something that our family wants to be a part of? Maybe this is a way that we can serve. Maybe this is a way that we can give some of our time and uh, back to the community for the sake of the kingdom, right? Remember, we're not just here to serve for the sake of serving. We're here to serve for the name of Jesus. We're going to serve for his name, for his kingdom. But then also, here's another cool thing that we're going to do. Uh, Maybe you've heard some terminology that goes something like this. Adopting a people group. Right? Mission endeavors. So the IMB has great missions endeavors where you can adopt people groups and all that kind of stuff. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take their strategy and we're going to go local. We as a church are going to start to adopt people groups here in Belton. Here's what I mean by that. We're going to start with Southwest Elementary School. And as a church, we're going to adopt Southwest Elementary School and we're going to go after those teachers. I know we at least have one teacher in here at Southwest Elementary School, so blessings coming to you. But here's the deal. What we're going to do is we're going to fund resources and time and energy and we're going to go to Southwest Elementary School and we are going to bless those teachers in the name of Jesus and we are going to multiply our influence at Southwest Elementary School. From there, we're going to go to other schools and from there, we're going to go to more schools and we're going to cover the schools in Belton, Texas. We're going to go to the police department and we are going to bless the socks off of our police officers who love us and care for us. We're going to go to the, the, the fire department and we are going to be a church who blesses this community. We're gonna be the church that in a few years, if something were to ever happen to us, they're gonna go, how in the world are we gonna survive without the work of God in and through those people? Can you imagine the impact that that would make? Can you imagine how many lives could be transformed by the power of the gospel if we got serious about that? Man, I think our opportunities are endless. Endless. It all just takes time, effort, energy, and God working in and through us. So those are large scale. Here's some small scale items that I would encourage you to do. One of those things is just simply to uh, take time to bless your neighbors. Hey, you see their trash can out? Go get your trash can and bring it back. I, I guarantee you, if you do that three times, they'll notice. That's a great opportunity to say, hey, I just want to bless you because I've been blessed in Jesus. And I guarantee you that's going to open up a conversation. They might run in their house or they might stick around and linger and hear, hear, hear more about that, right? It's an opportunity to say, hey, I've been blessed by the King of Kings and I want to bless you because he's blessed me, All right? Here's another way you can do that. You see trash, man, pick it up. Don't walk by it. Pick it up, put it in the trash can. As you bless your community, in the name of Jesus, we can pick up trash. Be available in the community. Be active in the community. Here's another thing that you can do. You can pray. I know, it's a crazy idea. We can pray for our community. As a matter of fact, God tells Israel to do that. He says, pray on behalf of their community. 
We too need to be in prayer. Listen, as we live in suspense, waiting for the kingdom of God to come, man, we sit on the edge of our seats, eager. By the way, did you know that if you were just to read the New Testament, there's something kind of cool that you'll find. As you read through the New Testament, you know, Paul, Peter, all of the writers of the New Testament, they, they're writing with a sense of urgency. You ever notice that? They have this sense of urgency. It, it, it's as though that, that Jesus is coming back tomorrow. And so when they're writing, they're writing with a sense of urgency. They live with a sense of urgency and anticipation. And so as we too follow their example, eagerly looking for Jesus and his arrival, let us be people who, are, who, who pray, who pray for our community, who ask the Lord to bring about renewal and, and, and revival in those things. Ask the Lord to, to show up and do something, something, something miraculous for the sake of the gospel. But it takes us willing to pray and willing to be involved to see kingdom renewal come about. And so I'm just asking, will you join me and be a part of what I believe that God is going to do in and through us in 2023? Let me pray for us. Well, Father, we love you. We thank you for the goodness and grace that we have in Jesus. God, thank you that you have called us to take ownership and responsibility for this community. God, that we truly are the access point between our community and you. And so, Lord, help us to stand in that gap, confident in the working of your spirit, trusting, Lord, as we do that, that you will work in and through us and that you will move mightily and you will bring renewal and revitalization to our community. God, I pray that all of our community would hear the word of the Lord. I'm reminded of, of, of how your, uh, the word spread through Ephesus as the people of God began to share and to proclaim the good news, Lord. It, it was through their work and your power that all of Asia heard the word of the Lord. May it be that all of the people of Bell County hear the word of the Lord because of our work and our effort Father, we ask that you would work powerfully in us, that you would use us mightily for your kingdom. And Father, we say this morning, come Lord Jesus. We ask that you would come and that you would bring renewal. It's in your powerful name that we pray. Amen. If you would like more information, please visit fbbelton.org or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street. We hope to see you soon.